November 17th. It's called The Eternal Goal. You know, I guess if I had to make a statement, I, I, I can't imagine that this isn't the second decision. Lord, I need you to come into my life, okay? And save me. I need you to be the Lord of my life, right? That would be your primary first step. Maybe if it wasn't with me, maybe you'd have to have a second step and have to ask for a baptism in the Holy Spirit so you get the, the not only saved, but you get filled with the Holy Ghost too. That, that would be a two-stage process in most places. Not here. You get it all one, one fell swoop. But the second thing we ought to have is an eternal goal. Okay? If eternity is not where we're headed, then we need to get off whatever we're riding on and get on the right bus. And I look at this message today and I'm, and I'm knowing what God's placing on my heart and I'm seeing things and I'm going, how is it that we struggle so hard with staying on point and staying on focus? And how is it? God, I pick up this Think and Grow Rich and and I start, a, start sharing it with somebody. I'm going to rewrite most of it back to the Christianese I taught when I taught it before because it has it's way more Christian than, than Napoleon allowed it to be printed as. Okay, made it about money. It's not about money. Riches is riches in Christ Jesus. If you take that word riches and you compare it to where it talks about riches in the Spirit, in the, in the Scripture, you're going to see how they align perfectly. But most importantly is how that book sets up a process of getting yourself on track to get where you need to get to. Period. He'll even tell you it's divine. He'll tell you it's, from the Christian perspective, this is a divine process. It's God-ordained in mankind, and mankind misses it. And the world has grown in spite of it. So, I look at this and say, if I'm going to bring this back to help you grow in, in who you're supposed to be in Christ before any of it starts, we aren't setting uh, a one-month goal and a three-month goal and a, and a six-month and a year and a five-year. That's crap as far as I'm concerned. You know what my goal is? Jesus. And that doesn't come with a, a day or a week or a month. That comes with an every single breath of my life. But it doesn't mean, same thing I've taught you forever. There's an X that marks on, on the wall that says that's the end. That end goal is, is going to have to be the number one thing you have to plant in your life. Of that direction of where you're going or any road will get you there. You'll be able to go in any way you want to. But if you set that X marked on the wall and that X marked on the wall is your eternal goal. Your goal is eternal life. You will start living your life in light of eternity every day. If you don't substantiate that goal, that end point, you're going to be all over the map with every wind of doctrine, tossed to and fro. You're going to be a wreck most of your life. 
You're gonna, the devil's gonna be able to mess with you every moment of your natural life. Everything you ever did wrong, everything you do wrong now, he's gonna screw with you and has the right to every second of your life to see if he can influence you to not make it to heaven. If you look and that end result is eternity, eternal life, then you have to go look up and realize what are the things I need to be able to get eternal life. And then you fill your coffers full of all eternal life stuff and that's what you live from. The enemy can't affect you like that anymore. Why? Because he might say something you look at him, nope, that doesn't fit, sorry. Because you've got your pockets full of the stuff that you know you have a, your direction, your map and your destination marked out so you know where you're going. But apart from that, you're lost. And you can go to a church and they can tell you all sorts of warm, fuzzy stuff. They can tell you all sorts of false doctrines. They can lead you through all sorts of denominational crap. They can do whatever they want to do. But name me how that gets you to eternal life. Scripture and Scripture alone will tell you how to do that. And then... Your everyday living experience is confirmed by Scripture that you're on the right track. Amen. My God, there's a narrow path. i got to ask you sometimes, have you ever even seen it? Because I look at your lives and go, you don't even know what the narrow path is. I see the things you say and the things, the decisions you make and the directions you go and go, how is that in line with the narrow path? And I try to teach you disciplines and structure and do my best I can to help you and I, and I keep watching you. Listen and go, yeah, go, yeah, right, that's exactly what I need to do. And then I watch, watch you walk out and over a very brief period of time, you slide right back into your routine again. Which tells me you don't know where you're going. So this can either be a really good message for you tonight, or you can be pissed at me when we're done, I don't care. Because my job's not to be your friend. Not to be your buddy and your pal. Not to tell you what your itching ears want to hear. My job's to kick your ass. So you understand what the truth is. So by God, you live by it. And it becomes the only thing that matters to you. Because you're living in a world, the prince of the air rules it. And it comes in every color and every flavor and every shape and every shape, whatever you could ever want. Especially here in Southern California. And if you don't know the truth, what the truth really is, it isn't going to take but a second to deceive you. And let me tell you how rough it is. It's as if God doesn't shorten the time in Matthew, even the very elect will be deceived. The deception that Satan's got now is nothing to what he's going to start pouring out as we get closer and closer and closer to the end. So I would suggest maybe we start Loading up and putting the armor on and figuring out how to get this gear and how to use it, right? And we should do that now rather than sooner rather than later, I would think. So Oswald says this, By myself have I sworn, says the Lord, 
For because you have done this thing, that in blessing I will bless thee. Lord had, Lord God had no one else greater than himself to justify his sayings, right? But, and I'm so chocolate, I agree with it. You're going to get a lot of sounds kind of silly, but when you, when you look around, people don't give any credence to it because God said it. You know, it, it doesn't really matter. Because, you know, you know, God wrote it. Who knows? Go, go around and just look at creation for a minute, which we're going to in a minute. And I want you to tell me how, if this is the creator of all of this, why should he have to ask anybody else? Right? This cat did all this. And, and, and he's been here with us, helping us help navigate our way through all of this. I don't want to, I don't need him to prove nothing else to me. I don't need references. Okay? He's shown me who he is a million times. So he says, I will bless who I will bless. Well, I don't know about you, but when I got into this game, when I decided this Jesus thing was important to me, because believe me, I was definitely on the other side for a long time. The whole concept of being blessed for doing the right thing was foreign. You know why? I made sure I got blessed on the other side. I've made so much money, done so many things, had the best of everything on that side. So blessing, when God said, you know, I'll bless you, I'm like, okay, what's, what, what, what does that mean? The only thing that I ever missed on that side of my life, the thing that I longed for, was peace of mind. Had everything you could ever want, need, or desire in every color. <clears throat> but I always, 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 God, just would love to just have peace of mind. And then I find out the number one thing he wants to bless me with is a peace that passes all understanding. Got me at hello, right? I'm in. You're going to give me a peace that I've been looking for? I don't need any of that stuff ever again then. I just, I just want to know that when I'm right with you, I'm right with you. That I have my peace. See, I don't fight for any other reason. I, I fight to stay right with God and make sure he approves the things that I, I believe he asks me to do and I follow and I make sure because the only thing that only thing I, I you know can judge that by is whether I kept my peace or not. My peace is my guide. And then he says, I'm gonna give you joy that's unspeakable. My joy that's unspeakable is based on having peace that passes all understanding. Having a peace, knowing about what I'm doing, it's in line in accordance to God. I not only have the peace that passes understanding, I'm excited beyond excited because it's what I've looked for my whole life. I had it all, and I have it again now. Have more now than I've ever had in any of my other opportunities, and I don't care. Things are set up to give. All of it away. But I'm doing that to make sure I want it. I'm looking to ensure that I'm right with God to keep my peace. That's what's relevant in the blessing for me. 
And the only way that I know that's my eternal goal, the only way that I know I'm on the right narrow path is headed towards my eternal goal, because I can tell you what I'm doing and I understand, but the peace is the confirmation every day. Because the devil would love to deceive you, wouldn't he? He'd love to fool you and think, get you distracted by something. So if you had, a, had something else that wanted to grab your attention, he has a very unique way of having it show up all of a sudden for that individual, right? Well, God, when the peace of God is what you got, the very moment the devil tries that, the peace gets a little shaky. And you go, ah, I see you. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm keeping my peace. Abraham has reached a place where he is in touch with the very nature of God. He's found a place he needs to be. This, the same Abraham that went to two kings and said, this is my sister. Same Abraham that took Lot. Same Abraham that didn't listen to anything God was saying uh, all up in town. Same, same guy that was trying to, eh, can, I, can I get a favor here on this whole Sodom thing? You know, there's, these, there's a couple of good right guys there. Can we, let's not tear it apart. You know, here's a guy that, very naturally thinking in everything he did. And then all of it, even when it came down to Hagar and, and uh, you know, having, having Ishmael, everything about his life, he loved Ishmael, he loved Hagar. And God said, ah, 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 that wasn't what I had in mind. I, I, I can't imagine, 100 years old, right? And go, well, how the heck can I be this stupid stuff? That's not the first time I did this stupid crap. How come I'm still, still stupid like this? He finally comes into a connection with the nature of God. And he's not stupid anymore. He starts to do right things because the nature of God is where? In him. Always was. Wasn't out here doing things how did he want to do it? He just let the nature of God consume him. Willing to take his son, Isaac, up and sacrifice him, going, God said this is the seed, so if I kill him, he'll have to bring him back. He, it was like, no question, let's go. In fact, hey kid, carry the sticks, we're on our way. You know? It's, it's like you, you, you have to take a step back sometimes and laugh. But this guy got a revelation of the nature of God. And it changed him. And then it was counted for what, Danny? Righteousness. Righteousness. Him finding the nature of God was counted as righteousness. And did he go out and do something out here to find it? No, it was within him. And God goes, aha, got it. He figured it out. My goal is God himself. At any cost, dear Lord, by any road. At any cost, by any road means nothing self-chosen in the way God brings us to the goal. There is no possibility of questioning when God speaks if he speaks to his own nature in me. When he speaks to me, I don't have to wonder Hey, God, was that really you? I'm so intimate with his nature, I know he's talking to himself. And then when I ask him for my dumb flesh that I've got to carry till that last day, Lord, can I have a confirmation from you 
Because I don't do simple little things. He has me do great big things. Things that look out of ordinary for everybody else. I ask the Lord, I just need the confirmation. And you know how long it takes? Yep, about that long. And it brings the confirmation, and I go, that's it. Do I got to ask him twice? No, Gideon's dead. I'm not, I'm not Gideon. I, I don't need to ask him three or four times. Got you, and I move. But you know what happens? I get a momentum going with God. And I get, a, I get a walk going with him that's in stride with who he is and going where he wants to go. And I'm able to grow with him beyond anything I'm living in in the moment because it isn't about this life anymore. It's about the nature of God's life and where he exists now. And I exist there with him now too. God speaks... If he speaks to his own nature in me, prompt obedience is the only result. When Jesus says, come, I just simply come. When he says, let's go, or let go, I let go. When he says, trust God in this matter, I trust him. The whole working out is the evidence that the nature of God is in me. The proof that I don't got to argue or question or barter or negotiate. It just is. When he says do it, going why not? Let's do it. Why? Because I already know it's going to turn out well. He's doing it. So what What question is there for this stupid Adam to have? No. Tis because I am mean that ways often look mean to me. It says, when you're struggling with the concept I'm talking about, sometimes the reason it's so hard for you to grasp because you know who you are. I, I, I'd love you just to have a few minutes of who I was. And I'm thinking he wants to change these things. And I'm thinking, I know, I, I'm judging what I'm, what I'm being asked to do, right? By what I know. And, and from where I come from, this is the best godfather I ever found. It fit everything I was. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wow. I've actually found my family. And I began to see that happen. And I've had lots of other people that along the way, you think, oh, they're part of the family too. I went to find out they were never part of the family family in this light are those who do the will of my father. And I know a lot of people that talk about going to church and they talk about a lot of things, but when it comes down to the will of the father, they miss that by a mile. Well, then they're not family, are they? And so I don't get connected to people, places, and things. I stay connected to him. Doesn't stop me from loving everybody. Loving on people. But true family, that you share the intimacy uh, of your heart and your feelings and your thoughts with, because you know they know the will of the Father, and they know they're on the same page with you. They're family in a way that you can express, and they get it. Not because they understand what you do or where you're from. And all. No, they get it because it's the spirit I'm trying to express, not the situation. 
See, if I plugged you into me for a minute, the reason I say it would be really difficult because you would immediately think you would get plugged in to understand and no, you wouldn't get plugged in to understand. You get plugged in to realize you don't need to understand. You need to know the spirit. And if you knew the spirit, what, I, what happens makes perfect sense. But if you plugged in your natural life into a spiritual life, it wouldn't make sense. You'd be having to have a perspective. You'd have to have some perception of your own. You'd have to come up with some clause or formula. And that's not what this is about. And that's not what I'm about. By the discipline of obedience, I get to the place where Abraham was and I see who God is. I never have a real God until I have come face to face with him in Christ. Then I know that in all the world, my God, there is none but thee. There is none but thee. The promises of God are of no value to us until by obedience we understand the nature of God. All the things God's talking about, all the way through the scripture, the reason they're so complicated, because you still haven't found the nature yet, because they're not complicated. It's so simple, it's ridiculous. But it's complicated because Adam doesn't get it, neither does Eve. And all the carnality we have in the world will never understand. The eternal perspective is going to have to find the nature of God. We read some things in the Bible 365 times. They mean absolutely nothing to us. Then all of a sudden we see what God means and we're going... Hey, where'd that come from? And instantly his nature is opened up. All the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, or let it be so. The yes must be born of obedience. When by the obedience of our lives we say, let it be so, to the promise then that promise actually becomes ours. It's not just a promise. It's a promise to us. We'll do something a little backwards tonight. I'm going to start with Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, You are my son, today I have begotten thee. And as he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him to his father, who was able to save him, from the death that he was heard and that he feared in the garden. Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience. The cost of obedience by the things which he suffered. He went to the Mount of Transfiguration and said, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done in the garden, right? Mm -hmm. And through that moment of obedience, he learned suffering, did he not? Yes. yes. And being made perfect. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all of those that obey him. So we have 
the opportunity. Verse 11. See, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing sometimes we're dull of hearing. For when a time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the very first principles of the oracles of God, and are become of such as have need of milk and not real strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he's a baby. He hasn't got the grasp on righteousness yet. And it's not from the lack of teaching. It's a lack of being, it's, it's from the, the point of having dull hearing, not taking it in to the nature of God, taking it into our own nature. But strong meat belongs to them who are of full age. Remember he was made perfect? He said that perfect means full age mature. To those who are full age, even those who by reason of use have exercised their senses to discern between good and evil. So therefore, let's leave behind the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto perfection, as Christ had. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands under the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. For these things we will do, if God permit. It's impossible for those who were once now enlightened, have tasted the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. It's impossible if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they've crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Christ to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it. <clears throat> Brings forth herbs, meat for them by whom is dressed, receives the blessing from God. Rain comes down and brings forth fruit in the gardens or fruit in the fields by those that have, that have dressed it. They receive a blessing from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is cut down and rejected. And is near unto cursing whose end is ultimately to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. And the things that accompany salvation, even though we speak about it, it's impossible to turn around, we're persuaded better things of those that are looking for the truth. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you be not slothful or lazy, but be followers of them who through faith and patience are going to inherit those promises spoken of. In Oswald, chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ becoming that high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats or calves but by his own blood he entered in once into a holy place having obtained eternal, eternal redemption for us so the eternal goal started 
when Christ accomplished what he accomplished. So that eternal salvation, he procured it for us by his blood. Because the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifying to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, how much more purge your conscience from dead works for you so you would be able to start serving the living God? So we see that the path has been prepared. The work to being done, the, the, the road has been, uh, has been opened up for us to say, okay, we, we know where we're starting. <laughs> now, now the question is, are we sure where this eternal goal goes, right? Well, I hope the message helps us here. Let's go to Romans 1. Paul, a servant of 1 1. Jesus Christ called to be an apostle. The most important fact is separated unto the gospel of God. Paul had made a decision to be separated into the gospel of God, saying, My life is separate from everything I ever was before to the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by the prophets and the Holy Scriptures, saying that to the Holy Scriptures before, if you separate the gospel, you're on the right path. It's because it had already been promised before. Concerning his son Jesus, our Lord, which was made the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom now we have received grace and apostleship for the obedience. So we've got grace and apostleship. So it's not like we don't know what obedience is about. We've been given what we need to have so we understand what obedience is. So the obedience to the faith among the nations for his namesake, among whom now we're also the called of Christ. We pick there, go to verse 16. See, for now I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Oh, we're starting to see this revelation of the righteousness of God. From faith to faith, every time we trust and say, yes, Lord, we see the righteousness of God, which then causes us to want to do what? Say yes again, and again, and again, and again. So faith to faith, we start to see the revelation of the righteousness of God in us. Not out there somewhere in obscurity, in us. It's revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by that faith. But for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because they, that which may be known of God, is manifested to them, for God has showed it to them. We've been shown by God the starting of the path, the proof that we're there, and now we're on the road, and we're going to screw that up. And it says, I showed it to you. We just got shown, didn't we? For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, 
even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. They or us, depending, right? Because that when they knew God, they still glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became selfish or vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into some image made like to a corruptible man, to birds, four-footed beasts, creeping things, so on and so forth. Today it's cars and pornography and, and you know, all gambling, what you name it, whatever you want to put it in there, right? Wherefore God then gives them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, why? Because they changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who was blessed forever and ever. Let it be so, he says. Chapter 2, verse 1. So therefore, you are inexcusable. O man, whoever you are, judges, for wherever a judge another, you condemn yourself. If you judge and you do the same things, we are sure that the judgment of God is according to the truth against them which commit such things. And think you this, O man, that judges them that does the same things, that you shall escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise you the riches of his goodness and forbearance of his long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to, to repentance, to actually finally get you to turn around, hopefully, right? If you're on, if you're on the wrong track. But after the hardness and the impenitent heart treasures up itself wrath against the day of wrath and, re and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Every man according to his deeds. To whom by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. But to them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that does evil, both of the Jew and the Gentile. But glory and honor, peace to every man that works good, to the Jew also and to the Gentile. For with God there is no respect of persons. Chapter 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which have they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Uh oh, let's read that again, can we? Amen. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive which received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. We received it. So. That means we just have to realize we had it all along. Shall reign in life by one, which is Christ. Therefore, as by the offense, one judgment came upon all of the men to condemnation. Even so now the righteousness of one, the free gift, came upon all men to justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered, that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, Grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through the righteousness to eternal life 
in Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's, here's the deal. Grace meaning divine influence. Divine influence in, in, in a practical term, making a way where there is no way. In this body of Adam dwells an entire being. You talk about an anomaly, right? And you talk about making a way where there is no way. And we get to pick which being we want to follow. You didn't grow up and know the things you know. You grew up and learned the things you know. There's no difference about the Spirit of God living and dwelling in you. Now that you know there's, an, there's this anomaly of another being in there, maybe we could grow up and learn the things that He can teach us. Amen. And so this complexity of how in the heck am I going to do this? Well, that means i got to sure turn off this switch of what I think I know and start asking the Spirit what it does know. By the way, it's made up of the Ancient of Days, way smarter, and the wisdom of God's within it. Because he's not only made righteousness, he's made wisdom and redemption. So everything we need is already in there. All we got to do is ask the questions. And then follow the path that he lays out. But making a way where there is no way is getting Adam to listen. Because Adam and Eve think they have that right to themselves and they don't think they have to listen. Chapter 6, verse 16. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether it's to sin and to death or obedience and to righteousness? But God be thanked that you are the servants of sin. You've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. This message I'm teaching you tonight, you're going to obey from the heart the doctrine, the fact that there's a dual residency going on here. Okay? But God be thanked that we were servants of sin. We have obeyed from the heart because it's all happening within here, right? Being then made free from sin became the servants of righteousness. So I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you've yielded your members' servants to uncleanness from iniquity into iniquity, even so now yield your, your members to service to righteousness and to holiness. Uh-oh. I have to yield all these little wiggly things, Okay? To the righteousness that's in there. Because I've yielded them to everything else. So it, you, you can set still in one spot and yield it to righteousness or unrighteousness. I choose to yield, I choose to yield it to righteousness. Why? I, I, I much rather the outcome. For me, it's the peace of God. I don't have to sit and worry. I don't have to sit and stress. Didn't matter where they where they put me, where they take me. I, I got God. I'm good, right? Prove that this this place many times over. What fruit we had in those things, whereof you are now ashamed, for the end of those things is death. But now be made free from sin and become the servants of God. You have your fruit in holiness and the end everlasting life. We're serving God from this spiritual life we have here. And we get to say, 
we have your fruit of the holiness, and the end of that is what? Everlasting life. So not only do we get put on the path by God, now we're on the path, and he's telling us how to pay attention to the path. And I can only imagine that we're going to figure out this end, end result, eternal life, heaven, you know, unless I need to break it down any further than that. But, you know, we, we start to realize there's something to that. But the narrow path isn't as complicated as we're making it. Okay? Second Corinthians, please. Chapter 4. Verse 8. See, we're troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. See, we're troubled no matter where you're at. Rain falls with the just and the unjust, right? We're perplexed, like we're not really sure what's all going on here, right? But am I freaked out about it? No, because I'm coming to know. I already know I know a lot of stuff. But I also know that I don't want to know that stuff anymore. Amen. Right? So I know there's this new stuff I need to know. And I'm perplexed because um, this stuff keeps wanting to interrupt. And I keep going, shut up. You know, and I have to talk to you know, people. Are going, you got two of you? Yeah, well, there is, really. But that's beside the point. But so I'm just listening. And I'm coming even from a place of perplexity because it's all new. But I'm growing. And I'm, and I'm learning. The more I do it, the more, the more I understand. The more I understand, the more I want to grow. And, and it, just, it just keeps unfolding on itself over and over. And then sometimes you look in a mirror and go, how in the world does all of that live in this body? And why aren't you losing your mind because of it? Well, I got to admit, I think we kind of did when we would start doing what Adam and Eve were doing, right? Kind of lost my mind, right? Well, now I've kind of found it. Because I have the mind of Christ now, and I don't got to walk that way no more. I can walk in the Spirit of God. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. I'm always bearing around in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. I'm dying to the old stuff, just like Jesus did, that what would be seen is the life. Isn't it funny how I bring up something tonight, you all kind of look at me funny like I got three heads or something, because I'm talking about this dual occupancy, and you're going, Pastor's lost it, you know. Okay. But I'm having a conversation, and then the word backs me up. For we which live are always going to be delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. It might be revealed. Well, it isn't getting revealed somewhere else and put in. It's getting revealed because it's already there. So then death works in us. But life in you, it starts to help others realize that they don't got to go change a whole bunch of stuff to get better. They can stand still and we can fix this mess. Amen. We have in the same spirit of faith that according as it is written, I believe and therefore I've spoken. We also and believe, therefore we speak. Knowing that he was raised of the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. Philippians, please. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Second Corinthians, we need to go to... Let me go back to verse 16. That's 2 Corinthians. 
For which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. The outward man, get old. In your case, it's really bad. In her case, I was picking on you. But the inward man is renewed day by day. Okay, so let's stop just one more second again. Where's this renewal being? Inside. The inward man's being renewed day by day. You know how profound this is? I have taught forever, and I know what I taught was true. And then this comes out, and I'm looking at this going, and this is a deeper revelation of that truth, and a much more simple prospect. It means I don't got to go do nothing. It's already done. Well, that's going to ruin a lot of y'all's lives because you ain't going to have anything to do anymore. Amen. A couple of girls over here are going to be crying for us tonight. Anyway, so for our light affliction, which is but for a moment works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. For while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So all that stuff on the inside, it's eternal. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons we war for are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So what really is going on, if you remember scriptures, Especially like Hebrews 10, it talks about God's going to judge what? Our thoughts and the intents of our heart. Doesn't it make more sense now? Yes. And so, we have to bring our thoughts into captivity to the beginning of Christ. Why? Because our body, our members were already, you know, trying to figure it out. Now I just got to make sure that the thought process is what I got to work on. And the intent of my heart is to see the revelation of God. Will my thoughts not follow? So what, what happens in my thoughts? I have to get rid of my distractions, which is the stuff that needs to get out. Those things I think I know, those things I've allowed to distract me in my life. I need to get down to the basics of the just Jesus. goes on to say, and having a readiness to revenge all of our disobedience when our obedience is finally fulfilled. Ephesians, now, Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 8. Now to me, who is less than least of all the saints, is this grace given. The mystery is made known, and the grace, the divine influence of God has made it clear to us, and it's been given to us. So it doesn't really matter who you are. And you don't got to be somebody special. You don't got to, trust me. <laughs> the last person that ever dreamt of being sitting in this chair tonight was me. Okay, so I had people tell me that when I was I was a kid. I'm going, you're you're out your mind. I'll never do that. Um, I bet they're laughing right now, you know. Okay, but anyway, unto me who's less than least of all the saints, this grace given that I should preach among the worldly people. We're going to take Gentiles and make it the world. Okay, so you understand the difference today. All right, so the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. We need to teach the people of the world, and to make all men see. What is the fellowship of the mystery from the beginning of the world that has been hidden in God who created all things by Christ Jesus to the intent that now 
under the principalities and powers of heavenly places might be known, the church, the manifold wisdom of God. According to the eternal purpose that he purposed in Christ our Lord. We need to have all of these things that were brought forth for the church, the, the, all of the information, the wisdom, the revelation, the knowledge that was made available is all going to line up with the eternal purpose that he purposed in Christ. So now we're not only on the right track, we're starting to get a little strife going on. We kind of know where we're at. We kind of know what we're doing and why we're doing it. Right? Amen. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. <clears throat> See, if there be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any of the bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you might be like-minded, having the same love, being of the, of the one accord and of one mind. Let's get ourselves together with the, the topic I'm talking about. Let's be one mind, one accord about what I'm talking about here. Why? There'd be, there'd be strength in numbers, wouldn't it? Let nothing be done through strife or selfishness, but in a lowliness of mind, let's esteem one another better than themselves. Let's help one another. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, the mind of Christ, who, being in a form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things of earth, the things under the earth as well, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is, the, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Remember, we were made in his image, right? Well, I've read Genesis. I heard the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. I heard of the fall. And I didn't see them lay one body down and pick up another one. Because the body of Adam and Eve that fell was in the image of God. What fell was the nature inside of that body. And now, like I started with, Abraham found the nature of God. Where? Inside again. And what are we supposed to be trying to do? Find the nature of God inside again? Because we were made in that nature. Well, do you think that if you're made in that nature, that it might be a little easier to get familiar with? Yeah. Than try to get familiar with this one that we're not made like? I would think so. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. What things were gained to me, though he says, Paul says, I counted a loss for Christ. Doubtless I count all things as a loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, who count them as manure, that I might win Christ. That I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith, by the way that already is in there. So by faith to faith, I just need to start accepting the righteousness of God that's in there, that I might know him and the power of this resurrection 
the fellowship of his sufferings, be made conformable to his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. The natural side of Christ died. The spiritual side of Christ resurrected. Same man. One body. Not as though I'd already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after. That I might apprehend that for which I'm also apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to already have apprehended. But this one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind, and I reach forth on this path to the things that are before me. And I press towards this mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, remember the word perfect, mature earlier, yes. be thus minded, and if anything we be otherwise minded, God will even reveal this unto us. Nevertheless, wherever we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. In other words, let's not fall back. Let's got to stay on track. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. When you actually start to grasp the fact of the Godliness, He gave us everything we needed for life and Godliness. Remember that. We'll teach it again tonight, but remember that. When Godliness becomes something attainable to you, and you start to grasp the concept of the nature of Christ within you, and you're content with that, all of a sudden, Everything else, this, this lustful nature of always having to, like, always be doing something, filling something, eating. When all of a sudden that, that the nature of Christ is in there, you find that you're content. You don't need to do all these things that Adam and Eve felt this necessary, you know, desire to chase after stuff every day. And so we can just enjoy this better. For we brought nothing into this world. It's pretty certain that we're going to carry nothing out. So having food and raiment, let us be content with this. But, and I want to make this a great big B-U-T, okay? They that will be rich, that forget about the contentment of godliness, and fall into temptation and a snare, and to any, many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. You see, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which... While some have coveted after, have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, you, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, <coughs> godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life, wherein you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give you charge in the sight of God who quickens all things and before Christ who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that you will keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord and Savior Christ comes back again. 
which in his times he will show, who is the blessed and only royalty, potent, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only has immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Second Timothy 2, 1. It says, You therefore, my kids, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So, we've already made a shift to being in Christ Jesus according to this, right? Amen. Now I tell you to be strong in that. And the things which you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commission of faithful men who shall be able to teach others. Things I'm teaching you, make sure you're helping teach others so they might come to understand as well. You, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. No man that wars is going to entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who's chosen him to be a soldier. We're going to get wrapped up in the worldly stuff. We're going to stay on track and please the one that chose us to be the soldier in the first place. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he's not crowned, except he strive lawfully. In other words, you can't get there by cheating. you got to follow the process that we're laying out tonight for you to understand. The husbandman which labors must be a first partaker of the fruits. In other words, you got to kind of practice what we're preaching, right? Consider what I say, and I ask that the Lord give you understanding, not only in this, but in all things. Remember that Jesus... The seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Wherein I suffer trouble, or as you do, as, as an evildoer even to bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with that eternal glory. I go through what I go through that you might get the chance to have this too. It's a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, it's not going to matter because he's still going to bind faithful because he cannot deny himself. Of these things, I'm to put you in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, to the subverting of hearers, to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly divided the word of truth, and you would shun any profane and selfish babblings, for they're going to increase to more and more ungodliness. And their word will eat as does a canker who Hymenus and Philetus, who concerning the truth are erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrown the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God still stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 